Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Barry. Thank you. Just put your hands out like this to the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just ask you today to, by your goodness, your mercy, and your grace, to fill us. Paul said in the scripture, I know that in me, in my carnal man, there is no good thing. But by you, I'm made whole. By you, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I can stand here today and anticipate you to fill me, to overflowing, not just with the things that my soul needs, but the things that my spirit craves in you, Lord, peace and joy and love, kindness, mercy. We ask you, Lord, to pour, pour those things out upon your people today, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So the Father, we can stand in any fire and we know you're with us. We can calm any sea. We can, Lord, be confident that you are beside us in any and every situation. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 You guys are such a good-looking bunch this morning. Turn around tell the person beside you, behind you, you look good. And he's not lying. Amen. Come on. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. Wow. Man, oh man. Whew. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Is it not? Wow. All right. I'm just looking around, checking out everybody here, looking at all the smiles, looking at all the Thanksgiving heartbeats coming back at me, and I feel good. Paul, Roxanne, good to see you guys, you know. Wow, hallelujah. They live right next door, but uh, spent most of the summer over at the lake, which if I owned a cottage over there, I would probably be there a lot myself, but good to have you guys with us this morning as well in person. Praise the Lord. Uh, it is good to see people here. Love the bow tie. Love the bow tie. That is awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The name's Bond, James Bond. Hallelujah. Ah. <laughs> uh, Man, it's good to be alive, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, today's Thanksgiving, so it's not, you know, I, I, there's a certain days of the calendar year that if you're a preacher and you can't preach those days, there's something wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? And today's one of those days. If you can't, if you can't get a word, if you don't have something in your heart to say on Thanksgiving Sunday, you should probably hang it up. You know what I'm saying? There, you need to go see a counselor. You need to get on your face before God because you got to have something in your heart on Thanksgiving Sunday. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm happy to say that there's a lot in my heart today. It's Thanksgiving Sunday, and, and I am filled with gratitude. I have an attitude of gratitude, right? And this whole month of October is our month of gratitude as we celebrate the the value that we have at Desert Stream on gratitude. You know, we, we've talked about 12 core values and we're winding that year down, but gratitude, I think, 
may, may be the most important one of all. I remember when we got together, we were working on these in 2012, and Glenn Shaver came into the uh, boardroom. We were sitting with us as a staff, and, and uh, Glenn was always, you know, a person of great wisdom for sure, right? And so before telling us that there were 12 values, and I said, well, how do you know there's 12? And he goes, so there's 12 months of the year, so you're going to have 12 values. You're right. <laughs> so, you know, we concede to that, Glenn, great, great wisdom. But then he said, he said, I think the most important one of all is gratitude. And because we were, we were grasping, uh, or grappling, I should say, with what, what are the things that we hold most dear here at Desert Stream? And, and he said, I think that uh, the most important one is gratitude. He said, gratitude is the foundation on which all our other values must be built. Because if we don't start with gratitude, if we don't start with a grateful heart, then everything else can be built for all of the wrong reasons. But if we start with gratitude, if we start with a heart of thankfulness, if we start with that disposition, then everything else that we build on top of it is built on a great foundation because we are grateful. All you have to do is turn to the Psalms and see how many Psalms tell us to give thanks, to give praise, to, to, to honor the God for whom uh, we depend on because he has done all things and done them well. Amen? You know, when you look in the, the dictionary, you know, it tells us basically that gratitude is a quality of being thankful. It is uh, the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. I thought that was interesting that it, it carries with it that, that posture of not just sitting back and going, I'm thankful, but responding to it by you know, being reciprocal, by giving out, by demonstrating that gratitude to others, by giving back. Amen? You know, it's been said that we're never more like Jesus than when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave. We're never more like Jesus than when we give. And the truth is that, this, listen to this this morning, you can be generous without being grateful. There's lots of people that are generous because they have ulterior motives. It may make them feel good. It may be something that they do because it's going to give them a greater tax return. It may be something they do because it's going to make them look good in the eyes of other individuals. So you can be generous without being grateful. But it's impossible to truly be grateful without it resulting in generosity. That when you have a grateful heart, by its very definition, as I said, gratitude causes us to want to give and to share with other people. Amen? Marcus uh, Cicero, he said this, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. I don't know if Glenn had been reading a little bit of Cicero before he met with us that day in the boardroom, but I think they have it right. And that's why this month, the month of gratitude, is such an important season. And I think in 2021, gratitude may be, just may be our secret weapon of getting through this. I think this may just be the, the value, the, the, the weapon of our warfare, which by the way, the scripture says is not carnal, but is mighty through God to pulling down every stronghold and every imagination that sets itself up against Christ. I'm telling you this morning, I think that gratitude may just be the secret weapon 
to get us through this season. Because, you know, I, I, you know, and someone asked me to clarify this, so I'm clarifying this this morning, and I won't say who it was, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, I've said from the pulpit that, you know, I don't watch the news because it's, it's bombarding with negativity all the time, and I literally don't. I don't watch any news. I have stopped years ago, but even during COVID, I watched one 15 minutes of news that was last Christmas to see if they were going to keep the church open for Christmas Eve. Do you remember that? Because they were vacillating when they were going to close. And I watched Doug Ford's announcement and I watched 15 minutes of it. And then they started repeating the same thing over again. And I shut it off. That's the only news I've watched probably in the last five years. Now people say, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? And I told people that I read it on the internet. But, but can, when I say I read the news on the internet, can I tell you that I don't, I don't mean Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Okay, are you hearing me? Those are not sources of news per se. You can find news on them that is actually factual and true, but you're also going to find a lot of nonsense. Hello? So when I'm talking about you can get it on the internet in 15 minutes, I don't mean, you know, you know zooming into your favorite conspiracy theory, you know, uh, YouTube channel and you know, taking it all. I mean, you know, I, I read uh, National Post. I read CTV News. I read uh, all kinds of things. I'll, I'll even read the CBC, but I might have to offset that with a little bit of Fox just to get a balance back in my spirit. Do you know what I'm saying? But, but what I'm saying is that, is that I, you can get actual truth and information. You have to dig, but, but you can find it without going down rabbit trails of nonsense. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, as a rule, don't pay any attention to anybody who couldn't get published, uh, you know, in, in, in the real world. Now, th- there can be exceptions to that because I realize that, that you know, our uh, country is on a fairly, uh, this is just my political opinion, so don't throw stones at me if you disagree, but I believe our country is on a fairly clear path towards socialism, and, and I'm not a big fan of that, all right? So now, you know, you might, now I've, I've let out my political ideology for you. I'm not a big fan of that. And uh, so I have to filter things through that because I realize that there's an agenda there. But by the same token, you can have yourself so rattled and worked up about the government that you have no peace. And you can have yourself so worked up about COVID that you have no peace. And I think we need to, as the people of God, lean back into him. The Bible says, make every effort strive to enter into his rest, right? Every effort. The only thing I got to work to do is to remain in his rest. I don't have to work for anything else from God. It all is given to me by grace. All I got to do is just lean back in him. I got to stay there. I got to, I got to shut down all the noise and stay in his presence. Last night, I just came down to the church for a couple hours and I just locked myself in my office and I just shut down all the noise of the week. And it, a lot of it was great noise. Great noise. Grandkids running all over the place. Beautiful noise. We went out Thursday night and uh, stayed at Derek and Paula's with their kids so that Derek and Paula could come in to our house and stay at our house because she had to be at the hospital at five in the morning on Friday morning uh, for her scheduled C-section. So we spent the evening with the other kids, got up with them, I kid you not, at six in the morning. (laughs) On Friday morning, it's like, it's not Christmas. Why are you up at six in the morning, right? And, and so, so we get up with the kids in the morning. I was so tired by the time noon rolled around. I thought, how, 
how do parents do this? You know, and then I realized that's why we have kids when we're young. Because there's no way for you to be able to do this at, at, at my age. It's just, I was wore out. And by the time five or six came along, I was praying for Derek to get back home. I'm like, deliver me, deliver me. And so, you know, he got home about six o'clock and uh, we just said, oh, well, we got to go now. And I went home, <laughs> you know. And uh, so then on, on Saturday, Derek went back into town, picked, uh, you know, the baby up. And, uh, uh, and I'm just going to say unbiasedly, probably one of the cutest babies ever born. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. His name's little Brooks Michael, and he was born Friday morning, 7.54, nine pounds, three ounces. And uh, so there's a lot of baby there to hold and more hair than most of you have on your head right now. I'm just saying. Uh, a lot of you guys would be seriously jealous of his hair. Uh, you you could have gelled it and whipped it up into a Barry Miracle right there on the spot. It was... It, it, it's that prominent. I mean, it was, it's great. And so on their way home yesterday, they stopped by the house and, and we got to get a little bit of cuddle time in with little Brooks. It was amazing. So that's number 11. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My cup runneth over. And uh, we're, we're very excited about that. But uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> anyway, what's that? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the reality is, is that uh, I had to come down to the office last night to get some, some rest, to just get, to, to literally close myself in with nobody but Jesus. And it's not because the distractions were bad. Do you see what I mean? We, we sometimes think we got to do it. We got to shut out all the evil. No, no. Sometimes we have to, we have to just get away from life period, even the good stuff, even all the grandkids and the, the joy and the fun and everything else. And you just got to get along with Jesus and let him speak to your spirit. And, and if you're not doing that in the midst of COVID, you could be a train wreck real fast because there's so much, and it never ends. You got to get along with Jesus and you have to take your cues from him, not from YouTube, not from CNN, from Jesus. Not that you can't find good stuff on either one of them, but you take it from Jesus. And then filter, filter what you do read, filter it through the word of God right? How many know that the Bible says his perfect love casts out what? Okay. So we're going to take all the news headlines. We've got to filter them through that truth. I'm not supposed to be afraid. If you find yourself starting to get anxious and afraid, something's wrong. You're, you're feeding on something that's not right. Whether it's tin hat conspiracy theories on one side or whether it's the hypervigilant uh, message from healthcare people on the other side. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not making light of the crisis. I'm just saying that Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. I have a neighbor up the road who found out he was a terrific guy and uh, ex-military pilot. And uh, he, he, he stopped me one day and he said, so where are you going? You know, where are you going these days? And I told him, I just got back from Haiti, told him that I was, you know, going to the Philippines, you know, and he said, what part of the Philippines? And I said, well, down the south. He said, you know, they kidnap people down there. And I said, yeah, I'm well aware of that. And, uh, and he said, in Haiti, he said, you know, it's dangerous to go to Haiti. I said, yeah, I'm well aware of that. And the day that I told him that I had been in Myanmar and I had been with the Karen militia and uh, been in hostile camps where people had stepped on, you know, landmines and had been, you know, legs amputated and everything else. He said, you were where? And, and he said, aren't you afraid? I said, no. 
because fear is not part of my repertoire. You see, we don't walk in fear. Now, if God didn't call you to be there, then you probably shouldn't be there. But if he called you, if he calls you somewhere, as Barry says, I love Barry's euphemisms. He says, if God orders the pizza, he's going to what? He's going to pay for it. So what do you have to worry about? Amen? Are we making any sense here today? So this is all for free today. I had nothing to do with what I'm going to preach on, and it's somebody's fault for asking me to just clarify. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I want you to know that we are not to be uh, coddling fear, but we're to stand on the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we won't be led astray by fear on either side. We're going to keep our eyes focused on the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I told you guys right in the beginning, I'm not afraid of COVID, but I'm not trying to get it either. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like I'm like, well, I just can't wait to get that. I think people who do dumb things like have COVID parties, you know, are, are, are morons. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is, uh, I'm not worried about anything either. My peace is found in him. Someone say amen to that. Rick Warren, founder of Saddleback Community Church, uh, released his, only his second book, if you can believe it or not. So I think he's now the, one of the biggest selling authors of all time. But it was only his second book in 2002, and it was called The Purpose Driven Life. He'd written only one book before that, and it was a textbook for church planters. And it was called, and I'm probably one of the few people on earth that had read it because I had church planting curriculum that I'd done in, in, in seminary. So, you know, I think I'm one of the few people that read, and it was called The Purpose Driven Church. And so he'd read that, and it was probably only pastors and clergy that had ever read that book. Then he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. And the focus of that book, he wrote it as a devotional and a, and a Bible study for small groups in his own church. That's why he wrote it. And that book went on that by 2007, it had sold over 30 million copies. I believe now it's over 100 million copies. Uh, this book is just, literally, it took the world by storm. And the reason the book became so popular is because the book provides the answer to the single greatest question I think that every person has on earth. I think if you were to talk to anybody, whether they're atheist, whether they're Buddhist, whether they're, you know, uh, Muslim, whether they're Christian, it doesn't matter who you talk to on the earth. They want to know, what in the world am I here for? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? What is it all about? All of these questions are all wrapped up in this thing of trying to figure out what is my reason for existing. They want to know that life has purpose. They want to know that there's, there's something behind it. And, and everybody that wants to know the will of God, I get asked by Christians all the time, can, I just want to know the will of God. What that question is rooted in is they want to know what's the purpose for my existence. When it's, that's the deeper question behind what's the will of God for my life. And there's a, I think, hardwired into the DNA of all human beings is this desire to have purpose, to have a sense of, of existence and why I'm here. And they want to know the answer for that. Rick Warren in his book, he states five distinct purposes in his book for our existence. He said, number one, he said, you were planned for God's pleasure. So God created you so that he could enjoy you, so that he could have relationship with you. It's for his pleasure. All right. Number two, he said, you were formed to be part of God's family. So you were created so that you could be part of an eternal family. Number three, you were created to be shaped into the image of Christ. You were created to be made 
and redeemed by Christ. And then he says, number four, you are made to serve God, to be his instrument of advance and grace, peace and mercy and love on the earth. And number five, he said, you were made for a mission. In other words, as you get the answers to the first four questions, there are specific things that God has tooled each one of us and our giftings for that we can fulfill here on earth. And as Barry mentioned, I think last Sunday or, or, or a few weeks ago, that, and I've preached from the pulpit about this before as well, but the word avoda in Hebrew is, is gloriously the word for work and worship. It's one of the words for worship. And, and what it helps us understand is that there's mission in life, even through what you do, what your work is, that God crafted you and, and designed you to accomplish things. And, and if everybody were, were pastors, we'd starve to death, right? Are you hearing me? If everybody were farmers, we'd all be living in grass huts, you know, because we need carpenters, contractors, plumbers. We need all of these people uh, in society. And God says that, that that gifting, that talent, that ability I've given you, as you do it unto the Lord, is worship. Right? Hello? So what I found funny was it took him 198 pages in his book before he finally quoted my text this morning. All right? 198 pages. I was like, Rick, really? I mean, to me, I think this should have been in the first chapter, but it took 198 pages before he got here. But, but I want to tell you this morning that Thanksgiving exposes for us or uh, reveals for us the purpose for which God created us. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm going to begin at verse 14. And he says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted." Uphold the weak, be patient with all. So you see all these little snippets of instruction coming, right? See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Then he says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Pretty great, right? You look at those exhortations in there, warn people who are unruly, warn them. Don't do that. You're heading toward a cliff. It's bad. Uh, comfort the faint-hearted. So if someone's feeling faint-hearted in this season, comfort them. That's one of your callings. Uphold the weak. Lift them up so that you can strengthen them. Be patient with everybody. Oh, man, how we've needed patience in the last year and a half. You know, I see poor people working in a restaurant, working at a checkout, getting yelled at and screamed at by somebody who doesn't like the store's COVID policies. I'm like, really? Like it's the kid making $15 an hour who's putting his life on the line for you. Who's, you're going to pick on him? It's not their fault. Leave him alone for crying out loud. You know you've been watching too much news when you're here and, and you're blowing your, your, your scalp off on a kid who's making minimum wage chill out. Someone, some, are you agreeing with me here this morning? You know, you might need to lean back in the rest and rest in God. If that's where you're going, it's not their fault. They didn't write the policies. They're not behind all the stuff that's driving you crazy. Leave them alone. All right. That's for free. Um, so be patient with all. Ensure no one returns evil for evil. Pursue what is good for yourselves. For all rejoice. I always pray without ceasing. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. 
Hold fast to what's good. Abstain from every form of evil. Those were all the little points. But right in the middle, right in the middle of all of those was that injunction in everything, give thanks. It's right in the middle. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. What's the will of God, pastor? Give thanks in everything for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Can it get any plainer than that? Oh God, I want to know your will. And you spend the whole day complaining about the government, complaining about this, complaining about, and God says, would you try being thankful? Be thankful. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For you. I mean, it doesn't get much plainer than that, folks. Be thankful. That's not a suggestion. It's in the list of a whole string of wonderful commands that Paul's giving to the church in Thessalonica. And he's telling them, be thankful. And then he finds that on this one piece of instruction, he needs to give a little extra oomph because he says, for this is the will of God. I love to know the will of God. I'm a long-term planner. So if you want to know how something like COVID can stress somebody out, I can tell you all about it because I can't plan more than three weeks ahead because I never know what's going to change again or how the rules are going to get bent or what's going to take place. And, and it would be easy for me to get a really bad attitude. I mean, just really easy because that's just my nature is. My nature is I'm more libertarian. I, 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 don't, I, like, I don't like government overreach to start with. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, that's my personality, right? So for me going into this and then taking away the ability to plan long-term is very difficult. But I go to the scripture and he says, be thankful in everything. So he reminds me in the midst of this storm, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. The Amplified translation, everybody say Amplified. Amplified. What does that mean? It expands on the meaning of Greek words to try and give you a little bit more oomph of what the writer's trying to say. This is what it says. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you, who you are in Christ, the revealer and the mediator of that will. Wow. So it's the will of God for you in him who is the one who reveals and gives and, and mediates your life between the Father and your path. And so we're to give thanks because that's the will of God in Christ Jesus. So how is that possible? How do you give thanks in everything? Well, I think it's important to realize it doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says give thanks in everything. So in this particular passage, he's, he's being, I think, fairly specific with his language because, you know, we don't, you, know you come into a difficult season like lack or poverty or sickness or disease. And, and, and I think it's kind of weird theologically to give thanks for cancer. I think that's weird. I know some preachers that have no problem with that. But for me, I, I have a difficulty with that. I, giving thanks for cancer. I can give thanks in cancer. I can give thanks in the midst of it. I can give thanks for God, my healer, my redeemer. But, but I believe cancer only exists because of the fall. Right? I'm not saying a person gets cancer because they committed a sin. No, that's not my point. 
but it, it only exists because of original sin. It only exists because Adam and Eve plucked the fruit, ate it, and the whole thing opened up and sin fell on all of humanity. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So I'm not thankful for any sickness or disease, but I can be thankful in the midst of sickness and disease, right? You know, Jim, I'm sure you're not thankful for that, you know, pain you experienced through that knee surgery, but you can be thankful in it, right? You can see, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm feeling like every day, I'm like, can't stretch it out, you know, and having to go through all that physiotherapy and you're ready to break your physiotherapist's neck for all the pain and suffering that they're causing. But in the midst of it all, you can be thankful, right? We're thankful. We're thankful. Because if we're thankful for these things, that's a bit masochistic, right? That's a bit weird, you know? Oh, God, I'm so thankful for my broken leg today. It's just amazing to me, the pain and the suffering. And I know it's healing crooked, but I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I'm thankful that I'll walk with my leg off to the side the rest of my life. I'm so thankful for that. No, no, but we're thankful in it. God, I give thanks and praise to you. And Lord, I realize that you're my healer, my, my physician. You're going to fix this. You're going to take care of it. But in the midst of it, you know, all of my fountains, all of my grace, all of my love is in you. And I'm thankful. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? So that's just for free. All right. <laughs> so let me ask you another question. Why is it so difficult to practice this? Because let's be honest. How many have found it difficult to be thankful in everything? Come on, you can be honest here. This is, the, this is family. You can be honest. How many find it difficult to be thankful the last 18 months, <laughs> right? Hello, right? Um, you know, to discover that, the question, the answer to that question, we have to go all the way back to Genesis. And I read this book. Someone gave me this book, and I was like, I started reading. I was like, this is one of the lamest books I've ever read in my life. Uh, you know, it was like, I can't even describe it. It was, ah, it was like, we used to say when I was a kid, Mamby Pamby. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, yeah, flowery, you know, gushy. It just wasn't my type of read. But then I heard somebody quote from the author of the book, and I thought, maybe I better go back and pay a little more attention. Maybe there's something more to this, some substance, something that God wants to show me in the midst of it. So I got a hold of this book, and it's called 1,000 Gifts uh, by Ann Voskamp. How many have read it? And uh, it's still not one of my favorite books, but let me tell you, She's nailed some things here. And I want, to, I want to quote a portion of her book this morning for you. And she says in her book, A Thousand Gifts, that the problem, and she does it with great flair, the problem of sin in the garden and of all sin at its, at its very foundation is an attitude of in, ingratitude. So listen to what she says. From all our beginnings, we keep reliving the garden story. Satan, he wanted more, more power, more glory. Ultimately, in essence, Satan is an ingrate, and he sinks his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve were simply painfully, painfully and ungrateful for what God gave them. Isn't that the catalyst for all my sins, too? Our fall was, has always been, and always will be that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives. We hunger for something more, something other. Standing before the tree laden with fruit withheld, we listen to evil's murmur. In the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, Genesis 3, 5. But in the beginning, our eyes were already open. 
Our sight was perfect. Our vision let us see a world spilling with goodness. Our eyes fell on nothing but the glory of God. We saw God as he truly is good. But we were lured by the deception that there was more to a full life. There was more to see. And true, there was more to see. The ugliness that we hadn't beheld, the sinfulness we hadn't witnessed, the loss that we hadn't known. We eat, and in an instant we see. Everywhere we look, we see a world of lack, a universe of loss, a cosmos of scarcity and injustice. We're hungry, we eat, we're filled, and then emptied. And still we look at the fruit and see only the material means to fill our emptiness. We don't see the material world for what it was meant to be as a means of communion with God. We look and swell with the ache of a broken, battered planet, and we ascribe as what we ascribe as a negligent work of an indifferent creator, if we even believe there is one. Do we ever think of this busted up place as the result of us ingrates, unsatisfied, we who punctured it all with one bite? The fruit's poison has infected the whole of humanity. If I'm ruthlessly honest, I may have said yes to God, yes to Christianity, but I've really lived the no I have. I read that and I was like, my goodness, she's so, so right. The sin of Adam and Eve was the sin of ingratitude. They had been placed in perfection. They had been placed in the garden with nothing withheld from them except God gave them one command. And he gave them that one command. He said, don't take this. He said, because this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He had wanted to protect them from all of that pain, misery, suffering, and, 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 and despair. And yet the, sa- the serpent tempted them, and they reached out, and they partook of what God said no to because they wanted more. They wanted, and, and Satan played into their ingratitude. He said, God doesn't want you to have it because he knows that when you take it, you'll be like him. And so they succumbed. They succumbed. Our innocence is destroyed, and that desire, that hunger for more, that insatiable appetite that drives us, consumes us, and our whole society never stops nipping at our heels. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in a, that God prospers us. In fact, the scripture says, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So as you spiritually prosper, I believe God, and you can see it throughout scripture, redemption and lift. God takes people, redeems them, lifts them out of poverty, despair, brokenness, sickness, and unleashes his blessings upon them. He did it for Israel all the way from the beginning, right up until our present day. This is who our God is. He's an abundant God. He's a God of more than enough, not just enough. That's who our God is. But when we try to get satisfied in his stuff rather than in him, we have a problem. We have a problem. It's called the problem of ingratitude. So God wants to bless us, but what happens is we get focused on the blessings rather than on the God of the blessings. And he's constantly calling out to us, drawing our attention back to him, saying, come to me, come to me. All you that are weary and broken and heavy laden, I will give you rest. No problem having blessings. No problem having new things. No problem, you know, living a life of God's favor and God's blessing. There's no problem with possessions. It's only a problem when they possess you. 
And do you understand the difference? When they possess you. I love my truck. Got a truck last May. My COVID truck. I love it. And I love my little diesel putting around and, you know, picking stuff up and moving it here, moving it there. It's great. I love my truck. I just love it. I think I love the fact that it's paid for more than anything else. I just love it. How many know that's a good thing? Amen. That's a blessing of God. But you know what? I was, I, I hadn't had it more than a couple months. And uh, uh, Rob Crisp and I, we, we went after a, a Grace and Board meeting, we decided to stop and get something to eat because neither one of us had dinner that night. So we stopped at Slap Shots and, you know, we get some wings. And I come out afterwards and this guy comes running out, buddy, buddy. And he lives across a little side street in his pajamas, no shirt on, was not a pretty sight. And he's, he's like, buddy. I said, what? He goes, that's your truck? I said, yeah. He said, man, he said, a guy backed into that thing. He just slammed into it. And uh, he said, I think he, he wrecked his car, but I don't know what he did to your truck. And I looked at it. I didn't see any damage at first, but yeah, he, he collapsed the bumper and everything else. And you know, I got in the truck. And, oh, well, drove home. It's just a truck. I had it, I think it was, what, a month, Paul? We're driving down up to Shawville in June, I think, just after I got it. Stone hits the windshield. I've still got to crack those all the way across. I haven't fixed it yet. It's just a truck. Now, I still wash it, take care of it, pamper that thing, get a nice little shine on it, but it's just a truck. It's okay to have nice things. Just don't let them have you, right? If, if, if they have you to the point where you're ready to rip somebody's head off because they hit you in traffic or something, you have a problem. Am I making any sense to anybody here, right? And so listen to the words of James as he, I think he uh, nails it through the head and we'll, we'll wrap up with this. He said, James chapter four, verses one to three. He said, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. <laughs> Bingo. Leave it up to the brother of Jesus, the earthly brother of Jesus to nail it. I mean, put it through the uprights. It's right there. Living the will of God is to give thanks in everything. And it's difficult to do because it's opposite of our carnal sinful nature that always craves more. And we need to find our satisfaction in Jesus instead. This morning, we're going to close our service off with communion. And you should have all received uh, emblems this morning uh, as you came in. Now I'm going to step down here. Ordinarily, we would. Uh, did everybody? Did everybody receive one of these when you came in? If you didn't, just put your hand up. We'll make sure you get served right now. Anybody at all need one? Oh, good job, whoever is at the door this morning. Good work. Good work. Praise the Lord. Now these are a little tricky. There's two layers to it. So I see some people striving with these. There's a thin layer that if you pull that back, it'll reveal the. Uh, wonderful unleavened wafer on the top. And then there's a second one that you pull back and it opens up the cup, all right? So make sure you pull the thin one first. Otherwise, you're going to be trying to separate it afterwards and it, it's difficult. Okay, has everybody got that first one pulled back? 
right? See what I mean? Almost there. I did it and talked at the same time. Yeah. All right. These are our COVID cups. So, uh, you know, we usually, we usually would have people holding a loaf up here and you'd break a piece off the loaf and take a, a separate cup back. But this is a, they tell me that's not a COVID friendly way to do things. So we, we do it this way. I want you to stand with me this morning. As we gather around the Lord's table today, we're reminded today that this is a table of gratitude. You know, there are many other emphasis that we can put on the Lord's table. It's a table of healing, of redemption, of grace, of mercy. But today, let's focus on the reality that this is a table of gratitude. That when we, we stand around the Lord's table this morning and we partake, we partake with hearts overflowing with gratitude for what Christ has done for us. And whenever we consider his broken body, his blood poured out for us, whenever we consider the fact that Jesus died on our behalf, we can't help but be, be filled with gratitude. See, the beautiful thing about God's grace and salvation is we don't work for it, we don't earn it. It's not given to us because we had a good week. It's not taken from us because we had a bad week. It is purely ours because of the work of Jesus Christ. If it, if it comes to us any other way other than the work of Jesus Christ, it's not the gospel. It's not the good news. It's not good news if you can get it because you work hard enough. It's not good news if it can be taken from you because you fail. It's good news because it's given to you through the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, let whosoever will come and they may drink from the water and receive life. Whosoever will may come and I, I, I will lift them up. I will give them hope and a future. That's the God we serve. But it only comes by grace. You may be here this morning. You may never have even taken of the emblems before. All that Jesus says is when you come to this table, just come with a heart that says, God, I want to know you more. I want to understand you more. I want to, you, you know, I want to be in your presence. I want to know you. Have a heart of gratitude. And this table is open to you. It's not about denomination. It's not about belonging to a church. It's not about membership. It's about being invited to his family. And when I was a kid, the most exciting day was when we invited people that weren't our family. They were our friends and they got to come to the table. You know, and they were treated like family. Same way here. You're here today. We welcome you as our family. I'm getting a little bit of ring in this mic again, Mike. And so we, we want to stand today in his presence and be thankful. Amen. So as the scripture says, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, on the night that he was betrayed, that Jesus stood up and he gave thanks. And he stood before his disciples and, and he said, this is the body which is going to be given for you. And he was standing right in front of them, but he picked up the bread as a symbol. And he said, as often as you partake of this bread, remember me, remember my body, remember my sacrifice. Remember my sacrifice as often as you partake. Barry, would you take the microphone and just thank Christ for giving his life, his body for us this morning before we partake together. Father God, we thank you for the, the sacrifice of your body. Mm-hmm. The stripes that you bore upon your body 
We thank you, Father God, for laying down your life, to taking upon your body the sins, taking upon your life our sins, and paying your body's sacrifice mm -hmm. in this physical and soulish realm so that we can have accessibility mm -hmm. to the all of what the Spirit can bring into our lives. And we thank you, Father God, for healing today. We thank you, Father God, for everything that you have provided for us through the sacrifice of your precious body, Jesus Christ. We are so grateful mm -hmm. today. Yes. Yes. And in this, Father God, we we remember, we are remembering, we're putting back things back together as we remember your body and your sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the emblem of his body together. Jesus. Paul writes and he tells us that on that same night, he held up a cup and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. This is the cup of my covenant of my blood. A blood which was shed. And you know, for many people, the blood is a confusing thing. Why, why do Christians talk about blood? Yeah, it's weird. It's because they understand and, and, and all traced throughout the entire Bible is the fact that the blood represented life. That blood was, uh, and, and, and even in the Old Testament, before they understood anything about, you know, oxygen being carried and, and antibodies being carried and all of this stuff by blood flowing through your body and being pumped through your body, before they knew anything about the science, God knew and he made it clear that, the, that life was represented, was, was actually in the blood. And so when an animal was sacrificed, when a life was given for us, when its blood was spilled, that was a symbol of life being given for life. And Christ stood before me and said, this is a new covenant written in my blood. And he held up that cup and he said, as often as you partake of this symbol, you, you partake of me. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to just thank God for the shed blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your own son. Mm -hmm. Father, you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son. Mm -hmm. that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You sent your son in love and he gave his life for us. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Mm -hmm. You did not look to the left or the right, but you said, yes, Father, you gave your entire life for us. Yes, that Jesus. we could have an entire life back. God, rivers of living water will flow from us because of what you did on the cross for us this Thanksgiving, we honor you and we accept the sacrifice of Jesus. We accept this new covenant by faith, not by works that no man will boast. Mm -hmm. We accept the gift of God. Mm -hmm. We accept the righteousness of Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sin. We are no longer under the, the law of sin and death, but under the law of the Spirit of God. Amen. Law, law of life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm -hmm. So today, God, we accept this gift. We drink of this new wine. We drink of, of this new covenant. We look forward to your coming, and we ask as we drink of it, would you wash us and bring your fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit yes. on your church today? Because we are drinking in thanksgiving. 
we know there's more and we're we're gonna find our satisfaction in you yes in, in what you've done you're enough we declare you're enough jesus you're <laughs> enough yes we're not looking to the left or the right we're accepting what you have ordered amen thank you lord for our house for our church for our family so we drink Lord, with gratitude today, we drink our cup full with joy and happiness and hope in the house today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the emblem of his blood today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, would you just lift your hands and give him praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. With hearts overflowing with gratitude today, we stand in your presence, Lord. In awe in your presence, almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, mighty Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Almighty God. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're so good. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you very much. Uh, I trust today that you leave here with a heart full of gratefulness. You know, I want you to today, as you, whether you're gathering today for that special dinner with your family or whether it's tomorrow or whenever you do that for us it's going to be next weekend but you want, whenever you do that could I could I earnestly uh, request that you take time to be grateful you know ask each person around the table for what they're most thankful for in this season get some real specific things don't just say I'm thankful for life you know but but great. You're thankful for life. So am I. It's better to be breathing. You know, the alternatives, you know, I guess I'm in glory, but you know, physically that's kind of a tough thing. I, I, I like taking my breaths, you know, uh, and I don't, I don't want to keep doing that until I go to be with the Lord. But the point is that be specific, share with one another some of the things that you're grateful for. Really focus on having that right attitude today. And when you feel the attitude starting to get corrupted, go back into gratitude. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today as well. We're so grateful you took your time to be with us. This is a special day for us. Would you just raise your hands together with me and let's close today. Father, we're so grateful today for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We thank you, God, for all your sacrifice, all your love, all your mercy, all your grace. And Father, with grateful hearts, we say happy Thanksgiving back to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have an amazing week in Him. God.